is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Hello and good news. It is me, your host, Hannah Canningator. And this is the podcast where I take a comedic guest, I sit them down on my big red couch, and I tell them all about the people and the places and the current events affecting the world in a positive way. This week, my guest is another repeat guest. I'm all about them. I just love having people back on because I just like them a lot. It is Charlie Mihalik. Charlie is a comedian and a writer, an improviser, actor, all, you know all the threats. You can see his upcoming show, Catharsis, which is dramatic improv. It's become such a popular show, you guys. You've got to go see it. Uh, This month, it will be on the 23rd at 7 p.m. This is October. So I hope you. this is October that we're talking about. If you're listening in the future and it's no longer October, I guess, look up Catharsis for November. But uh, October 23rd, 7 p.m. You can also see Charlie's show Purgatory that he hosts with his team Purgatory uh, every second and fourth Monday on the Clubhouse main stage at 8.30 p.m. And every third Wednesday at the UCB Sunset at the UCB Sunset inner sanctum stage at 7 p.m follow charlie on instagram at mihelicopter and on twitter at charles mihelic and follow him follow him follow him he's a great guy i love having him on we talk the talk uh if you like the podcast please rate and review and subscribe it helps me get noticed in search results and i oh boy i need it (laughs) and uh if you like to shop on amazon you can do so by using my link by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash hello and good news and clicking on the icon that says support our artists that'll take you over to amazon freaking shop around like you would on a normal freaking day all right uh let's talk about some good news good news good news good news good news good news time we had some freaking real good news. Yeah. Let's see. What do we want to talk? Let's talk about some good news. Okay. I just hurled a pillow at my cat. <laughs> <laughs> it I get looks so nonplussed. I know. I yeah. get so irritated when he does that. It's always like when I'm trying to do something important, he'll go to my stuff. He's like biting documents. So there was one time um, a photo of Charles and I fell off the wall and he he cut out Charles's face <gasps> from the photo. Whoa. He gets really moody. It was yeah. really scary. Really, real jealous <laughs> move. Um, all right. Let's see what to talk about. Oh, uh, OK. Let's see. First story. This is a I like this one because it's a full circle one. It's okay. about. um a young woman named Montana Brown. She's 24 years old, and she just started working as a staff nurse in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, She was diagnosed with cancer when she was two years old. Um, She had, like, a rare type of uh, childhood cancer, and she she underwent chemotherapy for a whole year. And, um, yeah, just having cancer as a two-year-old, and they thought she, they were like, you beat it. You did it. And then when she was 15, 
uh, she got cancer. She was like in gymnastics and cheerleading and, uh, she had, they found out she had cancer again and she had to go back to the hospital, uh, chemotherapy and radiation. And she had to stop doing all the fun high school stuff. She had to drop out of gymnastics and cheerleading. Um, and, but she remembers like the nurses were just the best (laughs) to her and they made her and uh, obviously she beat it again and then so she she was like I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna be a nurse I want to go to I want to go into pediatric oncology and I and she did it also being an already a nurse at 24 I guess that's right but that's like a lot of school yeah uh is she a like an LVN or what is LVN LVN is like licensed vocational nurse so That's the one that you can kind of do a concurrent with a bachelor's degree. I think it's like maybe one year of additional schooling. And then to uh, be an RN registered nurse is basically like a um, it's a like a master's degree. Uh, I think I feel like she's an RN. Um, it doesn't say for sure, but I know she's in pediatric. She definitely did go into pediatric oncology. She's working at the AFLAC Cancer Center. In Atlanta. Aflac? Aflac. <laughs> <laughs> the, the AFLAC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's working at the Aflac. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, it sounds like, I think probably if you were able to specialize that specifically, she's probably in our end. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's cool because she can be like, it's really important to her. She's working specifically with kids. I'm seriously, I'm going to kill my cat. I'm being <laughs> so crazy. Uh, she's having some fun. She's having so much she's fun. now to have some fun. I think it's an amazing story. Yeah. I think like, um, especially like perspective is so important, yeah. especially in compassionate caregiving. That, yes. Mm-hmm, having that experience as a child multiple times, twice. Yeah. Um, will help her um, certainly empathize mm-hmm. with kids who are going through it. Yeah, because you can you can say, hey, yeah. and also so encouraging too, because I can't imagine uh, go, going through chemotherapy or knowing or being diagnosed. I don't know what that is no. like. I can't imagine uh, emotionally what that feels like. And so it must be so encouraging to have somebody be like, I've been here. I've been exactly where you are and I made it through. Like we can do this. Yes. And yeah, there's something about going, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I think like younger kids especially have such a a harder time communicating and expressing what exactly their emotional state is when they're going through something like that because you don't have the, I guess, cognitive or rationale Mm -hmm. in your head to be like, this is unfair or wrong it's more just like oh this is all i know yeah and it sucks yeah um so i think she could probably she could probably help them Mm -hmm. express at least their emotions yeah and then be that kind of like like buddy yeah rather than because sometimes the healthcare is such a strange thing because a lot of times it's just so impacted like there's so many people to treat Mm-hmm. And not enough time, and there's such a like heavy workload that's placed on doctors and nurses. Yeah, and so they can't provide all the care and attention necessary. Like they come in, they treat, and then they leave. Yeah. Um. 
but it, she could at least provide some of that emotional support yeah um as well as understanding the medical side of it totally um yeah it's kind of a bummer how like i think how quickly depends on the facility but i feel like burnout is really common totally. in healthcare and it's not their fault it's because they're being overworked schedules are crazy you're like seeing just the most insane shit every single day and it's like a burnout job and so like yeah to have a passion such a passion behind mm -hmm. it that's why i think young nurses are so cool too. yes not that older nurses are not but um i feel like it's so important to keep the keep those young ones coming in yeah and your body and mind have natural defense mechanisms that they're it kind of makes it seem like you're burned out, but it's a way to like protect yourself against the yeah. emotional toll of everything that you're seeing. Yeah, it's like a disassociative. Yeah, I had a friend who worked in a, uh, his or her brother worked uh, in a morgue for a while because Oof. he was um, working on becoming a paramedic yeah. um, or, or an EMT, whatever's the like the one past that. And uh, so he had to do shifts in the morgue at night and he had to, sometimes take the bodies from the hospital down to the morgue. Yeah. Um, people who had just died. Well, and, uh, after a while it became just like routine. Like it yeah. just was a thing where it was like, Oh, I don't, I can't even think about it anymore. Right. I don't think about this as a person who recently died and it's not, it wasn't like meant to be cruel or yeah. it wasn't meant to like, like, uh, you know, dilute the gravity of the yeah. situation, but it was just a way for him not to go crazy yeah. with uh, secondhand grief. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, you would have, you have to, you have to like, yeah. I was giving two, I was giving a lift ride to these two super young nurses last night. And it was like one of them was visiting the other in town and they were having like a girl's night out and they had obviously had like a couple of drinks mm -hmm. and were on their way to a fancy dinner. And the stuff I was listening to them talk to was just crazy. Yeah. And they were like in very high spirits about it, but it was just like bananas stuff. Like uh, a guy who was so addicted to heroin and like then this thing happened and now he's parent, like just going through like their day to day. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It's very. So intense. Interesting to hear people who have normalized very not normal situations yeah. in their own lives and they talk about it very matter-of-factly yeah. because it's so much a part of their day-to-day -day yeah. that it's hard for them to step back and be like, oh, it's crazy that we're talking about this <laughs> and, and laughing about it. Like, it's funny because right. it's, it's, it's like insane. Yeah. It's so intense. Um, yeah, I think that's that's such an interesting thing but i also think like it's just a way that people deal with yeah trauma in their lives is well and it's almost like uh it's kind of healthy to normalize it in a way because it's almost like the rest of like it we turn all this stuff into scary like mm -hmm. don't talk about it don't yeah. talk about it but the reality is it's happening around us every day like totally people have cancer people are addicted to drugs people are having and like uh, the more that we can normalize it and talk about it. Uh, I was just like in awe of these ladies yeah. last night. Cause I was like, this kind of is how we should be talking about it everywhere. I feel like yeah. not in a way that like you were saying dilutes it, but just as a way of like, yeah, I think it's striking humanizing that humanizing it balance between being able to cope with it mm -hmm. and move forward and not let it overwhelm you or consume you. Yeah. But also realizing 
that it isn't something that should be a part of someone's life and yeah. that like and finding the ability rather than just accepting it and being like oh this is what it is like finding right. ways to combat it especially those things you can change like obviously there are some things you can't change like yeah. um you know and and with cancer it's like i mean that's a that's a long long process with yeah. years and years of treatment for a lot of people and um and there is definitely coping mechanisms that are because they say so much of like your mental state has so much to do with yeah. your prognosis mm -hmm. and your ability your body's ability to fight it and yeah, yeah. so i can't even imagine <laughs> yeah, like, I know. yeah i know i can't uh i can sympathize but not empathize with what emotionally that journey is yeah like it seems it's intense. Yeah. I love, uh, I also was thinking too, as a kid, so you're diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. None of your friends are, most right. likely. Right. Uh, unless you're in that movie, The Fault Among Our Stars. Has, did you see that? No. It's really sad. This is a sidebar. Every time Charles goes out of town, I turn on what I think is going to be like a silly romantic comedy, and it's turned out every time to be a terrible movie. Do you just like not read a uh, synopsis? Yeah. <laughs> you just go in blind and you're like, yeah. Yes. Because I guarantee Fault in Our Stars first sentence is two teens diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> guarantee. Uh, <laughs> they I, duped me. God, they really got me yeah. good. Yeah, that one. And then there's one with like Drew Barrymore, I think, and Tony Collette. And it's like a story about, I think maybe all I read was like the first sentence and it was like two best friends for life. And I was like, great, I'm going to watch this. Was this riding in thing. cars with boys? No, oh, okay. that one I knew about. Okay. Uh, no, this was like, this was a movie that I don't remember seeing previews for, but it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was like best friends for life. And one of them dies of cancer. I was like, every time yeah. he goes out of town and then uh, recently he wasn't out of town, but it was like, he wasn't around. Then I watched room. That one I knew yeah, was yeah. going to be intense though. Um, but yeah, to be a kid, unless you're in Fault in Our Stars, like most of your friends probably don't have cancer. And so that's also like just a huge part of growing up and being a kid is feeling like you're alone or like you don't fit mm -hmm. in or that nobody's like you. And so to have your nurse be able to be like, hey, I've I'm like you. Look, I, that's so huge. Yeah. So cool. Being being a teenager is the absolute worst. Yeah. And yeah, hats off to anybody in their life who has had any other hardships than just like being a normal teen. Totally. <laughs> like grief or sickness yeah. or otherwise. It's like uh, just a nightmare to begin with. And then <laughs> yeah. extra on top of that Gosh. is like a whole lot. Yeah. Okay, let's see. What else? What else? Oh, uh, I love the song Despacito so much, and Charles always makes fun of me for it. But this one grabbed my eye because Daddy Yankee, who does the the mm. rapping part mm -hmm. in it, and J Lo, they each uh, donated a million dollars to uh, recovery in in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Good job, celebs. That's great. Really great. The Puerto Rico story is not good news. No, it is not good news uh, at all. It's a, it's so awful, and it continues to get worse. Yeah. 
wait, did I talk about this already? I remember what I was gonna, one of the stories that I found. Ah, okay. Okay, this is cool. Okay. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm just gonna go off of memory. I found this the other day. I'm pretty positive I didn't, no, I didn't talk about it last week at all. This guy, speaking of Puerto Rico, um, uh, I just forgot to bookmark it. That's, I knew it. I was like, I swear I had more stories than this. What's the deal? Um, and I can probably Google his name really quick, but this guy, basically he, um, he and his wife, I can't remember where exactly he lives. I feel like it's somewhere in the South. Um, he and his wife spent their whole like time together doing basically does preparation for uh armageddon oh disaster prep people yeah, yeah disaster preppers prep. doomsday preppers. preppers yeah doomsday prepper yeah exact word that's used in the article uh so years and years of like they built a bunker mm -hmm. they own this house together they built a bunker they have everything they have like enough food and supplies for themselves and like a hundred people uh, themselves and a hundred for how long um i can't remember the year amount but it was like <laughs> an hour <laughs> <laughs> they have enough us, for everyone us, to have yeah, what, uh, me and my wife for 10 years <laughs> or <laughs> us and a hundred other people for a day <laughs> the doomsday prep lunch yeah. um yeah so it it was a hundred people. I'm pretty, and they just, which is an insane amount of stuff. Yeah, it's so much. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so he has barrels and barrels and barrels of like drive goods and food uh -huh. and all this stuff. And his wife passed away, I think, a year ago, and um, and he was heartbroken by that, obviously. Um, and but he kept like kind of trying to keep up the the doomsday prep, mm -hmm. but his heart just wasn't in it as much. And then something happened with their house where it was like, uh, he wasn't making enough income anymore or something in the mortgage. And then they were like, we're for, we're foreclosing on your house. We're taking your house. We are evicted. And so he was like, okay, and going to have an estate sale mm -hmm. and sell the massive amount of stuff that he has for money. Cause he has no money right now. And uh, so they planned this big, he planned this giant estate sale. There was this food truck that was going to come to, that was going to come to it and like do food. And so it was going to be like a giant town event. It seemed like, okay. cause probably the whole town is like, yeah. oh, Mark's selling his yeah. stuff. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like, yeah, let's go get some shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like big event. Um, the woman who runs the food truck, her family is in Puerto Rico. And so he got to talking to her and then, change he was like okay all of the food supplies all of this stuff none of this is for sale we're we're sending send it, it all there and sending it to specifically uh to her like family first and so he sent tons of food like barrels and barrels and barrels of food wow. away which is so cool yeah, just like yeah. the turnaround of the the craziness of doing that for years and then the grief of losing your wife then losing it, literally yeah. everything and then giving it to better yeah i really like that story because uh i don't know this seems really judgmental but i think doomsday prepping is crazy like it's it, a crazy it thing is. to do yeah. and it's and like yeah i mean it's a possibility and it's like so, or maybe yeah. even an inevitability at some point but it seems to be such a a 
waste of the life that you currently have yeah. because like mm-hmm. I don't really know if I want to stick around after the doomsday like yeah. it, you know it's probably not going to be great and yeah. so I don't want to be living in a bunker for you know 10 years while right. you know it and so uh but it's really nice to see him like gain a lot of perspective mm-hmm. um and and make a decision that's really great there was another story that I read yesterday about um Royal Caribbean cruises yeah canceling a cruise and then sending the ship full of like relief workers and aid to puerto rico um and i i love that story it's like it's really great the thing that like really is like a bummer about all of it is that it almost feels like the future of disaster relief and aid is going to rely on private private companies and citizens because the federal government won't do it. Yeah. And based on some insane political Political racist reason, like it's, it just, it's, and that's the bummer. So it's like, it's awesome to see like these like hero stories emerge. Yeah. Um, but the fact that those hero stories need to emerge at all is like, it's, yeah. It's so sad. It's such a bummer. Yeah. All of the cruise lines have been ki- killing it, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, Carnival Cruise Line just pledged 10. So I can't. I know Carnival definitely did for both of the hurricanes, mm-hmm. Irma and Harvey. And then uh, then on top of that, they pledged an extra $10 million. And then like just all of the cruise lines have been doing it because they're like, okay, well, we're canceling our cruise. Or in the case of the hurricanes, it was like our cruises are already canceled. Let's just yeah, get yeah. our boats places, which is so cool. And I guess that is like uh, a very cool, uplifting thing to see that despite politics and government or whatever, that it's not fully affecting uh, people or even big companies. Yeah, It's like, yeah, we don't where we can be separate from that. This is not the forties. Like we can. And so that's, yeah, that yeah. part is awesome. These stories are heavier. <laughs> <laughs> I can't like pick them apart. Like I could last time. Cause I'm like, Oh, this, this is like people's lives. Are they? <laughs> So there's got to be like a great story. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. <laughs> okay, this is also kind of in the same vein. This was going to be Animal Corner, but since we're talking about uh, natural disasters and uh super heavy stuff like that this dog frida um after the the mexico earthquake Mm -hmm. she's like all over did you see this this is the dog who's like helping find people right yeah yeah and i just uh it's been all over social media and she's a great search and rescue dog but this photo of her makes me so happy she's like got these little footies on and these giant goggles (laughs) (laughs) it's her work outfit it's yeah too cute um she's a big white lab and i think so she found a police officer that was uh missing she's rescued over 52 people from numerous natural disasters over the course of her a career 
and she helped detect the body of a police officer when the earthquake struck in Oaxaca two weeks ago. And uh, now she's in Mexico City um, going through and finding people. Wow. Um, yeah. I like animals doing their job is uh, like, and yeah, especially yeah. like, like in the dedication mm-hmm. to it and the, the, you know, obviously all the training that goes into it, but also the, there's got to be such a connection between the trainer and those who are yeah, like who are employing yeah. it and like but the dog being like oh i gotta go to work like i know uh with um like seeing eye dogs and with any kind of like emotional support dog or even police dogs yeah that the relationship between the handler and the animal is so fascinating and the goggles and the booties are such yeah. an important part of that because they were like, when when I put the vest on, like for yeah. reason, when I put the vest on, it's time to go to work. When the vest comes off, it's a regular dog. And it's so like same thing. People. with Yes, yeah, it's it's <laughs> such an interesting thing where like, and the dog knows the difference. Yeah. Um, I used to, uh, my friend Scott and I used to live together in Long Beach several years ago. And he had a German Shepherd. And the German Shepherd was so like in tune to Scott and even me by the end of the time that we lived there Mm -hmm. that the dog knew what kind of activity was about to take place based on the type of shoes that we would put on. Yeah. So if, if athletic shoes went on, it was probably time for a walk or run. Yeah. If work shoes went on, then the dog would run into its crate or into its kennel and be like, Oh, that means you're about to leave for the day. And That's so crazy. yeah, it was like it was this crazy thing where it was just like looking at the type of shoes that we would wear. Yeah. It knew what what was, what was likely about happen. to happen. Yeah. Um, same thing where like you could just say, like, get in your crate and the dog like and the crate like would be in the backyard and the dog would just like go and like go out the door yeah. and go into it and just be like <laughs> waiting for you. Um <laughs> And it's like, it's fascinating because like, I know that obviously it's routine and repetition and it's kind of things like that, but it's such an incredible thing that, you know, the fact that we're, have such limited communication abilities between animals and humans, yeah. but certain things like that can make it seem like we're so in tune. We're so, yeah. Yeah. We are not, like, we are speaking the same language in some way. Yeah, I've talked about this before with, like, just the emotional intelligence of dogs and humans and all the unspoken stuff that they can just tell. Yes. And uh, this is a rabbit hole, but I've talked with people before of, like, do you think that emotional intelligence is something that is learned or that we are born with? Like, think if you were... Hmm raised by no one in the middle of the woods do you think you would have the range of like would you have emotions or would it all be survival i was like thinking yeah i think i think uh emotional intelligence is something that is a is almost a luxury Mm -hmm. it's a luxury of 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 society yeah and the fact that we are relatively safe and so we're able to develop more intense personal and emotional connections because our our number one goal at all times isn't surviving. Yeah. And so I think that's why, you know, like an animal that's domesticated, like a cat or a dog, spends its days laying around knowing that its meal will be provided to it. Yeah. And it can go out and play. But then if you you were to drive away from your cat and dog and then just leave them 
and they had no way to find you, it wouldn't take very long for them to go feral again. Yeah, like that's to true. revert to that survivability, and it's and that's the same thing where like people who like um, are living on the streets or our are in a lot more dire situations tend to be we tend to think of them as like they're not very friendly or they're not very nice like they yell a lot and they do stuff like that but it's that's because their entire daily life is one big threat yeah they're being either threatened with being arrested for being on the streets or having their stuff stolen or being attacked or you know and they're told they are not welcome anywhere yeah they're they're ignored mm -hmm. like they're no one treats them like people absolutely and so you're not going to develop that type of like you're not going to be soft you're going to be hardened um and so i think it is something that is generally learned yeah and but instinct is one of those things where you could you also like i think we have we have those and we've talked about this in other capacities (laughs) but that like trust your gut type thing i think there are certain things that don't really go away but what we're the problem is, is that we betray our own instincts so often mm-hmm. because of emotion, emotion and domestication. Yeah. And we don't want to be rude or we don't want to be. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to. Uh, we want to give the appearance that we are trusting. Yeah. Um, that we yeah. give people the benefit of the doubt and assume they're good. Yeah. When not everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. That's also so interesting to think about, like, uh because as you're saying that, I totally agree. I think it is learned and I think it is a luxury in a way that it almost comes from like being emotionally in tune also comes from being in a relaxed space yes. in terms of like, so I'm, I, cause then also you think about people who are stressed all the time. They're like not emotionally great supporters. No, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they're kind of going crazy. And so I wonder where the human race would be if we got like so i'm thinking in terms of like the science fiction utopia Mm -hmm. idea because when you think about well people who are super emotionally in tune like i've had you you have a friend who can just tell you're having a bad day based on like how in tune people are with each other and they just know you're having a bad day you don't have to say anything they can feel it like how in tune with each other would we be and would we be more caring if we could just get to a place where we're all relaxed that's crazy to think about yeah um who knows yeah i also wonder if it's a part of our brain it's like a level in a game like we're unlocking a part of our brain when you get because there's so much of our brain we don't use i feel like that part of our brain shuts down when we're in survival mode yeah so it's like a it's like a video game like if you get relaxed you get to unlock (laughs) parts of your brain yeah so I wonder how smart and nice to each other we could be if we all had equal opportunities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, equal opportunities uh, if we all had resources. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like it's when people are like when you think about like it's a weird thing where like you people who are constantly stressed or constantly mm-hmm. struggling day to day to get by or yeah. make it through tend to be a lot less patient. Yeah. They tend to be a lot less uh a lot less sympathetic and mm-hmm. a lot less empathetic because it's not and not in a not in a bad way, but yeah. it's just like they cannot focus on other people's problems. Yeah. Because they have so many of their own to deal with yeah. and there's so many things to get through and they and so uh that's where their their brains are. But if yeah. people get to a point where it's like 
oh, they have the resources and they're able to they're able to relax and they're yeah. able to focus on things like that. Those luxuries, once those become available, it is weird though because there isn't always there isn't really a correlation between having a lot of money either. I was or just going to say sympathy and empathy. So there's a there's like a there is a sweet spot because yes. then I also think once you get into the world of politics and high money people, it's the same thing but on a right. different spectrum. They're tunnel visioned. They're so. F- stressed mm-hmm. because they have so much to deal with. Yes. They have a million different things they have to do every day. They have people trying to take money for them or did they're trying to figure something out and they lose their empathy and compassion for anybody else. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like it's like seventy-five thousand dollars a month is what I. There was like an article a couple or seven seventy-five thousand dollars a year. A year, yeah, is like the sweet spot. Yeah, or like for money or for salaries. They yeah. say like uh, your your happiness quotient increases mm-hmm. up to. 75,000 and then it starts decreasing because you can start to get so much like other strings right with having yes more exactly money. like more money generally means more responsibility and not like yeah. maybe not more work but there's more on your head yeah um you know and it's but you know and again that's that's an article. So yeah. who knows? I believe that though. If I made seventy five thousand dollars a year, I'd be chill as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, great. Yeah. If I was at fifty even, I think I'd be like, great. A year. Yeah. 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 Chill. Yeah. So this is the chillest I've ever been in my yeah. life. <laughs> just focus on other things, I guess. And chill. Yeah. Let's talk about Riverside. Okay, yeah. Um, hometown good news. Hometown good news. I didn't realize that Riverside is like uh one of has like the biggest one of the biggest solar farms in California. I didn't know that. Um yeah, also California is trying to go 100% renewable energy in less than 30 years mm. through uh solar power and uh, wind, wind power. Um, and yeah, like one of the biggest, I think you see Riverside as a big part of the, the renewable energy, oh, yeah, like that would make sense. stuff there. Um, but 80% is well within reach very soon. Um, but hold on. I lost my article. The Riverside just got a one point thirty one million dollar investment for their s- solar farm, I think. Hold on. Um, I just had no idea. I was excited about that because I already knew I always find good stuff about California doing great. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like re- renewable energy stuff, especially. I feel like Riverside kind of like kick-started itself after I left. Like, once I graduated high school, I never really moved back. And, like, I still go to visit my family out there and stuff. But I feel like there's been kind of a real, like, cultural and, uh, uh, like, societal renaissance out there. Mm. Whereas, like, they revitalized their downtown, built a new convention center, like, revamped their arts district, like, brought in a lot more business and industry, and have, like, recruited smartly in terms of bringing businesses to the area to create jobs yeah and then that is kick-started like the economy of uh the inland empire because 
I know Amazon just built a massive distribution facility out there. Oh, really? And so like that, that's bringing in like a ton of jobs. And then, um, yeah. And well, I know Palm Springs because Palm Springs is in Riverside County has huge wind turbines. Yes, yeah. I love driving by yeah. those. They're so cool looking. Uh, so wind energy has always been, and that's been since I was a kid. So yeah. like that's something that they were doing for quite a long time. But it's cool to know that the solar, that there's solar, because there is space for it. Like Riverside just has so much wide open space. Yeah. Um, oh, I misquoted. It's, uh, so Riverside County, so maybe not the actual town in general, but yeah. uh, 131 million, not oh, 1.3 Cause I was gonna say 1.3 million doesn't sound like very much. <laughs> like, yeah, that was like one panel. Uh, but yeah. Hey, but, to my $50,000 a year goal, Yeah, 1. exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just give that to huge. me. Yeah, yeah. So much 131, money. 131, <laughs> that's, that's substantial. Um, yeah, so that was this week, um, they they just approved a hundred and thirty one million dollar contract to buy more than two point five million megawatt hours of electricity over twenty years from the solar farm in Riverside County. So and this is for the San Joaquin Valley. So Riverside County is going to be supplying that, and that uh, it brings that funding is helping them finish the Blythe uh, Solar Project. It's called. Um, so Riverside County is like massive. It's huge. Is I it? think it's the I think it's the second largest county in the nation. So I think it's ah. San Bernardino County is number one, and I think Riverside's number two. Um, but it goes from uh, like I would say the Chino, Ontario area, yeah, and it goes east. All the way to the Arizona border. Okay, because I kept seeing Arizona mentioned in here, and I was like, are we that close? Because Riverside from here is only 35 minutes, and I was like, in my head, Riverside's I was like, about an hour and 15. And, yeah. Yeah, the Riverside County you could probably get to, but like yeah. Riverside, the, the city, city is like is like a little away from the county seat, but um, the Blythe is on the Arizona border. So oh, okay. Blythe is on the border. It's the last town. It's a, just a desert town. Um, right before you cross over into Arizona. Arizona. So yeah, it's a, it's, that is huge. Yeah, it's massive. Um, I think to drive across it is like four to five hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, to drive across the county. Um, Palm Springs is out there. Then like, uh, Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah. 29 Palms, like all that. That's all in Riverside County. That makes, um, that makes sense that it would be a place to put so much so so many solar farms though. Yeah. There's so much desert land out there. Cuz it basically like when you when you drive into Riverside County like it's like it's like Orange County or whatever. It's like yeah. Chino, um Ontario, Corona, Riverside and then Marino Valley and then after that it's just like desert for an hour yeah. until you get to Palm Springs. And then after that, it's just desert for another like two to three <laughs> hours. Yeah. Um, and it just gets like more and more remote and desolate yeah. um, on the way out there. And then if you like were to cut up from Riverside, you'd cross over into San Bernardino County. And then you could take you could take San Bernardino County all the way up into Nevada and go to Vegas. So like from Riverside, I think it's three hours to Las Vegas. To Vegas. Just ah. straight up to 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, but yeah, it's like once you get past there, it's just like desert, 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 <laughs> desert. So yeah. there's just a lot of room for a giant solar, solar farm. farm. Yeah, because it's, there's so much undeveloped land. Like they say like only 5% of California in total is is developed. Really? Yeah. There's like, 
I mean, if you drive up the five, like as soon as you get out of that's it, like, true. It's just like it's just like undeveloped a mountain area, and there's just like you know you you can drive for a hundred miles and not yeah and not see anything yeah because of its um I would say the terrain is not super like hospitable for it in certain areas. Yeah, there's so much desert and stuff, but yeah, it's. There's so little that's developed, yeah. Which is crazy with the amount of people. I mean, California is yes. so huge, though. But I've driven that five because I've gone from L.A. to uh, Berkeley before. Yeah. And that drive is like, like Jeff, or Berkeley to L.A. So on the last end of it, we were like, God, this is yeah. forever. Because so I think California has 30 million people. But I would say probably like 23 or 24 of that. 30 million is all in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like LA, the LA, greater LA area, Orange County and San Diego. That's most of it. populated. Yeah. Because LA, so not LA proper, but when you consider all of Los Angeles, like Glendale and all of that is 11 million. Yeah. 11 to 14, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And then uh, San Diego, the city of is a million, but then it's like, you've got another probably yeah. like eight or nine in, in, you know, San Diego County proper. Orange yeah. County's got like several like pretty big cities, like yeah. especially in northern Orange County, like um like Anaheim and, yeah. and Fullerton and those areas are um ha- are heavily populated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I there's so many solar panels out yeah. there. The photo is great. also I had like a very <laughs> Just such sounds like such a stupid thought, but was just thinking about how cool it is and also how crazy it is that we're just I mean, I know solar energy has existed for a while, but that we're just getting into it. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where it's so like the sun provides so much energy and we're just figuring out like, oh, we don't have to make it ourselves. Like we can just we can just use. I feel ignorant. Like I don't know enough about it. Like because I in my mind, I'm like, there's got like and. I in my mind I'm like there must be some huge drawback to it which is why yeah. we didn't but I also but it probably isn't it's the same way that like there's probably like those natural cures that yeah that you know but big pharma or whatever doesn't want yeah those I, on the market doesn't want those FDA approved so I think it it is just that it's too easy I mean the cost up front it's more of a cost up front I think that was part of it because it used to be like solar panels were something that only rich people could right. have and now it's turning into something that middle class and then like a lot of places are supplying solar panel for low income housing which is really cool but yeah it's almost one of those things that it's like it's too easy yeah and we were so run on uh every other like fossil fuel and everyone's like no (laughs) we've worked forever to figure out this oil and all this stuff this is what we're using yeah (laughs) and like global i mean oil such a global yeah you know, it's such a huge, huge, huge industry. Yeah. It's um, like anytime a new company comes up with a crazy brand, at first you're like, no. Yeah. It's not something I trust. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust it. I don't want that. But now I feel like I think there's there's a weird like good and bad trade off to like the action that has been spurned by the insanity of this administration where yes. like like in the same way that we talked about disaster relief where like all these people are stepping up and like taking matters into their own hands. Like individual yeah. states are doing the same thing. And California yeah. has like really lit a fire under oh, itself. It. Yeah. yeah. And has been like, you know what? We're just going to do it ourselves. Yeah. And it sucks because it used to be that there was federal funding for all these like renewable energy products. But yeah, when you put people in power that are, you know, energy execs and have yeah. a vested interest in, in removing regulations for, 
clean air and wind power and things so that the oil industry can grow more, yeah. then it's going to take, you know, like independent or or these smaller, like not that California is the fifth largest economy in the world, but yeah. it's like the states are going to have to take matters in their own hands. It just sucks that we can't do it on a national level. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It is cool, though, that people I almost think it, things have gotten shaken up in a way that. I feel like we felt maybe a little too like it's almost like you get a little lazy feeling there was still so much like things that so many things that needed to change for the better that I feel like we're attacking way more head on now than not to say that it wouldn't be uh, addressed at all, but it is like very much in the forefront of everybody's minds. Yeah. Like we're like, we need renewable energy. We need racism to stop. We need like equal opportunities. Yeah. We need money to be for everyone. Like just in such a dire way. Yeah. That it's pushing it to the forefront. I think quicker. Yes. Which is the only positive thing I can say. About yeah. What's going on. Like people, like a lot of people have really stepped up. Yeah. Which is which is amazing, um, it you know there's a lot that's bad, but yeah. yeah. And I think so many nonprofits are getting funding and donations from yeah. people in a way that they might not have. Yes, uh, and like companies, there was a lot of complacency of like, oh, well, they're be good, okay. yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think all of that is very very cool. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a personal good news story. It's my um, favorite part. Okay. Uh, some personal good news. Oh. Um, I don't know. This is like, this is one that like, um, I want to think about the right way to say it. Um, <laughs> I will say that like, I think in uh, September, mm-hmm. um, I got to take two, I got to take two very fun trips uh. Uh, and spend time around um, a lot of people that I don't get to spend a ton around of time around. Yeah. And uh, that was really great. I went uh, camping in the middle of the month. That was just like Saw that. Yeah. getting away. And it was, it was two amazing days with like 15 or 16 people um, so who I had known like, uh, you know, like on an ancillary basis or had yeah. definitely seen them around or like yeah. had a couple of conversations with them. But there's something about, spending that like more intimate time which is like if you're yeah. if you're sleeping in the same place and you're eating <laughs> yeah. at the same places you and you have to spend yeah. uh you know 3 days together yeah. then you really like get close in a way that you wouldn't really expect and then obviously last weekend we yeah. went to Seattle that was the funnest trip it was so much fun <laughs> uh i immediately want to go back me too uh, yeah it was such a blast and it was so great because um it was just a group of people that i loved being around there wasn't like a single moment where i was like oh i need a break from this this was just like everybody was happy like yeah i don't there wasn't a moment of negativity there wasn't a moment of anything it was just like and it was we got to perform we got to we got to see the city in a way that was like that was very cool like i feel like we hit the the highlights. Yeah. Because um, it was a whirlwind. It was. We were only there for like 30, 40 hours yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like we got a lot done. And it was one of those things where as soon as I got back, I was like, oh, I just want to do that again. Me too. Um, so I think that that was, that's like my personal good news was like it was, and this year has just been a year of getting to do like fun yeah. or life changing like 
uh, things. Like I went to the, um, I, in January, I went, got to go to the women's March. I went with my mom and sister in DC, which was unbelievable. And like one of those, like once in a lifetime opportunities. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then, um, went to new Orleans for my best friend's bachelor party, went to, um, Kansas city for his wedding, then went to DCM and then went to these two trips. So it was like, and I think that's probably the most travel I've ever done in a single year. Yeah. Um, and so I feel very fortunate to have done all those things. So in that sense, it's, it's like, it's good news. It's not really perspective, good news, like looking forward, good news, but it is something that like looking back on, it's like, Oh, I'm just very lucky to get to do stuff like that and get to spend time around like such awesome people. I think that's great news. Yeah, I feel the same. And it's so funny because like, uh, I don't know about you, but definitely coming into this, this or leading up to this Seattle trip, I was like, I don't have money to do this. Is this yeah. stupid? Like we're, we're doing like, uh, a fast show and like, it's not like I'm going to see my best friend's wedding or something right. like I'm friends with everybody, but it's not, it's not the type of thing where you're like, Oh, I, ha- I got, but then like, I'm so glad, like I had yeah. such a fun time and felt like I made so many, we had so many good conversations. Totally. Our bits are still getting me through the day. I had a similar approach to the trip because when they, when they initially asked me to, yeah. to, to I was uh, planning to go with my other sketch team. And so I was like, I'm yeah. going to be there for Seattle sketch fest. Of course I'll do it. Like, yeah. I, you know, I love you guys. I'd love to do that show. And then that team didn't get in. Uh, and then I thought for a second, I was like, is this something I should be doing? Should yeah. I just be going like and taking the time off work and going to do it? The more I thought about it, I just like and, you know, I think, thank goodness I wasn't splitting my time between a couple of different things. So yeah. that way it was just like, oh, this was, it was like the perfect blend of yeah. like the thing that we love to do, which is perform comedy yeah. and then getting to like just go and like relax and like yeah. take a couple of days like it felt so necessary so I'm just yeah. so glad that I made that decision me too I also think I learned too because I was I was having the same thing where like uh my best friend Haley who I'll see you soon but it, uh but <laughs> I was almost she lives in Montana and Missoula's not that far from Seattle mm-hmm. I was like why don't you come out to Seattle and we'll hang out together you and I could even get our own Airbnb for one night and we, it was the same thing like I was like yes. trying to pack too much stuff in and uh I'm so glad that that didn't right. work out because it there really just wasn't any time yeah and I think it's like a lesson of just be with just do the one thing that you just it's okay to like just do one thing don't try and pack a bunch of stuff in and just really be with the people you're with like really get to know them and really like that's a metaphor for my entire life yeah is is i need is learning to just do the one thing yeah same (laughs) and like appreciate who you're with in the moment and just like really see where that goes yeah and don't be thinking about like oh there was other friends i wanted to see tonight or like just be with who you're with yes exactly Mm -hmm. and like because Life is very short, but it's also very long. Yes. And there'll be time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There'll be time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make, it's not like your time gets any better if you feel like there's not time and you split it all up. Right. Because then you're not really there. When, like, God, I would have been so sad if I didn't, if I split up. Every time I make multiple yeah. plans in the same 
in the same day or the same yeah. evening and I and I know that there's overlap and I have to leave one to go to another there's always this just like sadness where you're yeah. like you get you get invested in the thing that you're doing because when you first plan it and you agree to it you're like oh it'll be fine I'll yeah, be there I'll for a couple this, hours I'll be ready this. to go yeah. but then when you're in the middle of it you're like oh I'm I'm now like torn in yeah. a bunch of different directions and I feel my brain feels like kind of all over the place and then yeah. I have to reset and go and like do this other thing and I always just wish that I had been like no it's okay I don't have to do everything yeah. I don't have to try to fit everything in yeah yeah I am trying to learn that I'm trying to learn that sometimes it's impossible but I'm really trying to because also I've realized being a person who is with somebody and then that person has to leave to go be, be with somebody else. Like you kind of feel like, oh, was I not good, good enough, enough for the whole time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or it just it almost cheapens that because you're like, you don't know where this day could have gone. Maybe we would have had an adventure, right. you know, it it. Uh, and I also feel that way when I'm leaving, when I've made committed to too many things and I have to like leave uh somebody to yeah. go do some other thing it's like it's very symptomatic of the, especially the the world that we are currently living in because yes. there are just like thousands of people yeah and i i think about this sometimes where it's like it's so rare for a group of human beings post-college yeah to end up in another situation in which there's just like almost an endless well of human beings that come in contact with yeah. our lives on a daily basis. And so that tends to happen where you're yeah. like, oh, there's so many people that I love and want to spend yeah. time around. And so when these multiple opportunities come up, you feel like, oh, I I, I don't want e any of these people to feel unimportant, yeah. but you end up making all of them feel just a little bit less important <laughs> yeah. because you're like, okay, I'm going to be with you for like 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. And then and I'm going to go, go do this other this thing. thing. Yeah. And then I'm going to do a show and then yeah. I'm going to go over here and yeah. go. So you're late to everything or leaving yep. early. And yeah. I do that so many times a week. And it's just not the best, it's yeah. not the best way. And I think part of it is symptomatic too of being so plugged in all the time. Yes. It's like a symptom of wanting to be everywhere all at once. Right. And it's really, really challenging to just be where you are. Yeah. I, when are. we went camping, I would say the like a very cool side effect of that was the fact that we were somewhere for three days in which there was zero cell phone reception. Yes. And I think it was the longest that I had been without access to my phone or anything yeah. in feels like years yeah like it feels like years that it had been three days in which yeah. i had no idea what was going on yeah like the world could have fallen apart around us but yeah. it just had to be okay yeah you know and there's always there was anxiety when like when i got back to service like you yeah, just think like, like oh god, god. here comes <laughs> Hundreds of text messages, bad news is like yeah. coming to get me, but it didn't, you know, yeah. but it just is like, oh yeah, the world just kept on spinning and you were just out of it for a couple yeah. of days. Um, but I remember like, then I think back and I'm like, oh, when I was a kid, that was my, my whole existence. Yes. Like if I wasn't home and somebody called, they didn't get a hold of me. Yeah. And maybe and, I'd run into them later. Yeah. Or, yeah. Exactly. Like I imagine, like, I'm like in the seventies, how did anybody make plans? I know. <laughs> I think that watching Seinfeld, uh, like when I watch Seinfeld reruns and it's like, I remember watching one episode where somebody's supposed to pick somebody up from the airport and they like miss them and they drive all the way back, like yeah. back and forth. And just thinking about like, yeah, if I was supposed to pick somebody up from the airport. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. And you're like, I'm landing at 1020. And then like, if your flight's still like, what? Right. <laughs> we've now automated. Mm hmm. 
our problem solving skills. And yeah. so I think it's made us dumber. Yeah, I do too. You yeah. don't remember you was you don't remember it, right? Because you don't have to figure it out yourself. I don't have to. I don't know anybody's phone number. <laughs> like if yeah. I had got into a situation where I'd have to, like I know I know my my mom's cell phone number mm-hmm. because she's had the same same cell phone number since I was a kid, and then I know my my dad's house number. Oh man. And I know yeah. my own cell phone number. And yeah. then otherwise, got nothing memorized. <laughs> no phone numbers memorized. I have my friend. So I have Charles's number memorized. I've also like found myself in a lot of situations where my phone's dead. And because of that, I try and memorize people's numbers. But uh, I uh, have Charles's memorized. And then my friend Zach's is memorized. And here's the only reason why. I haven't seen Zach in years sorry zach if you're listening we should probably hang out uh (laughs) i haven't seen him in years but i have his phone number memorized because i still haven't gotten a ralph's card and i remember that's your discount (laughs) 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 i like one day really wanted the discount and they were all out of ralph's cards and so i remember looking through my phone and being like who do i know that has a ralph's card and he was like top on the list and so i just pulled up his number and i did that every time and now i just have it memorized (laughs) I should start doing that. I should start yeah. memorizing a number a day and then going and seeing if it works as a discount coupon yeah. like code. And then the more I input it, the more it'll just like stick into my brain. Because yeah. when I was a kid, I remember having every Everybody's, single one of my friends' I still numbers have, memorized. Yeah. yeah, and I still have all those, the landlines memorized. Which is bizarre, right? That yeah. we just can remember weird combinations of Well, we only numbers. had to remember, and we only had to remember seven numbers. Right, because we all had the same area, area code. code is the same. Right, and then, but now, once long distance became like a thing of the past, Yeah, it was just like a thing where yeah. we just had to remember a number from all over the country. Yeah. How do we start talking about this? Oh, we were talking about just be, well, let's see, let's sum up, summarize our, uh, just be who you're with. Yep. <laughs> Don't try and be everywhere at once. Be with who you're with. <laughs> Don't be who you're with. <laughs> impersonate uh, yeah, everyone. Yeah, impersonate everyone. <laughs> yeah. Learn their patterns, become them, absorb them, steal their life. <laughs> I'm so glad you corrected me because I've listened back to episodes before where I've said a bizarre word and like, uh, it probably went over my guest's head too. There was some, like I was trying to say country the other day and I said company <laughs> and like my guest never said anything and I was listening to it. Yeah. Uh, so many things I say like that. Yeah. Just go impersonate everybody who you're around, turn mm-hmm. into them Yep. and be in the moment. <laughs> yes. And be in the moment. Absolutely. <laughs> um, thanks for being here today. Yeah. Today. Thanks for having me. I love doing that this. So fun. Uh, okay, good news later, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.